Assignment 7, Individuals with ADHD and Emotional or Behavioral Disorders. Let's begin our review of Assignment 7, titled Individuals with ADHD and Emotional or Behavioral Disorders. Learning Objective 7-1, describe the similarities and differences between EBD and ADHD. We begin our assignment comparing and contrasting the similarities and differences between individuals with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD, and those with Emotional or Behavioral Disorders, EBD. Note that your book uses the term disorder to describe both of these categories. We prefer to use challenges to indicate the possibility of effective intervention and a hopeful, dynamic stance, rather than the more static disorder. Individuals in these groups share a number of characteristics and are thus offered similar interventions and supports. In fact, learning disabilities, emotional and behavioral challenges, and ADHD have high comorbidity or overlap with one another. In other words, individuals with one of these disabilities often have characteristics of and even a diagnosis of one of the others. ADHD is believed to affect between 3 and 5% of the population. However, it is not a separate disability category under IDEA legislation. Rather, individuals with ADHD receive specialized services and supports under Section 504, Other Health Impaired, of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Students with emotional or behavioral challenges do receive services under IDEA. Both categories share within their definitions the fact that individuals with these challenges differ from their typical peers in terms of the frequency, duration, and or intensity of their behavioral and emotional responses to common situations. Learning Objective 7-2. Define EBD and ADHD and delineate types of ADHD and EBD. Our next objective addresses the definitions and characteristics of individuals with ADHD or emotional and or behavioral challenges. The American Psychological Association defines ADHD as a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactive impulsivity that is more frequent and severe than is typically observed in individuals at a comparable level of development. There are three subtypes of ADHD. 1. ADHD predominantly inattentive type. 2. ADHD predominantly hyperactive impulsive type. And 3. ADHD combined type. The majority of individuals with ADHD have the combined type. Emotional or behavioral disorder, EBD, refers to a disability characterized by emotional or behavioral responses that are so different from the norms indicated by age, culture, or ethnicity that the response adversely affects the academic, social, vocational, and personal performance of the individual. These responses must occur in at least two different settings and be more than episodic, expected responses to stressful events. The emotions or behaviors must also be unresponsive to direct interventions used in a general education setting. Various classification systems are used to categorize the very diverse challenges individuals have under the EBD label. The range of issues challenging individuals with EBD include conduct disorders, aggression, 
anxiety, depression, psychotic behaviors, social withdrawal, inattention, impulse control, hyperactivity, fearful or phobic reactions, passivity, and immaturity. Stigma and ostracism often accompany the label of EBD. Notice that a number of the behaviors, such as impulsivity, inattention, and hyperactivity, are characteristics of ADHD. Parent advocacy is sometimes the difference between a child being labeled as having a behavior disorder or the more acceptable ADHD. Generally, researchers note that co-occurrence of EBD and ADHD is the norm rather than the exception. Thus, teachers and parents are often faced with complex behavior challenges requiring multifaceted interventions. Learning Objective 7-3. Recognize the prevalence rates of EBD and ADHD in America. Our next objective focuses on the prevalence of these two conditions. Approximately 1% of school-aged children receive services under the EBD category. However, most professionals hold that this is an extremely conservative estimate and that EBD is the most under-identified of all IDEA disability categories. In the 2005-2006 school year, approximately half a million children ages 6 to 21 were receiving services under this label. This is approximately 7.7% of the total number of students in special education, making EBD the fifth-largest disability category. According to the Institute of Mental Health, approximately 2 million children are diagnosed with ADHD. There was a 575% increase in diagnosis between 1993 and 2005. Boys are diagnosed with ADHD four to nine times more frequently than girls, suggesting a strong gender bias in relation to identification. It is possible that girls are under-identified or that ADHD manifests differently in boys and girls. Some suggest that girls with ADHD are more withdrawn and inattentive and do not disturb the learning environment and are therefore overlooked. Learning Objective 7-4. Describe the characteristics of individuals with EBD and those with ADHD. Our next objective focuses on the characteristics of children and youth with EBD and or ADHD. These two groups share many characteristics. For example, large percentages of both groups experience high absentee rates and chronic school failure. The most salient characteristic of students with EBD is difficulty in building and maintaining positive relationships with peers and adults. These students also have language and communication issues. Researchers have found they use fewer words per sentence than their typical peers, have difficulty staying on topic, and use inappropriate language in social situations. Individuals with ADHD may also have trouble establishing positive relationships. This might be due to excessive talking or fidgeting, poor impulse control, or difficulty waiting and taking turns. Children with ADHD often have difficulty with organizational skills, become easily distracted, and are often forgetful. They move from task to task without finishing and have difficulty paying attention. They move frequently and blurt out answers or thoughts without thinking first. 
Many individuals with EBD or ADHD have low self-esteem and feelings of social isolation or rejection, aggression, antisocial or withdrawal behaviors, including depression and anxiety, are also common for both groups. Individuals with ADHD have much higher rates of coexisting psychiatric conditions than individuals without ADHD. Learning Objective 7-5 lists some factors implicated in the development of EBD and ADHD. Our next learning objective focuses on the possible causes of ADHD and EBD. Researchers are investigating neurological dysfunction, anatomical differences, and imbalances in brain chemistry as possible causes for ADHD and have found abnormalities in several regions of the brain, particularly the prefrontal and frontal lobes, basal ganglia, and cerebellum. The frontal lobes are responsible for executive functions, such as self-regulation, working memory, inner speech, and arousal levels, while the cerebellum is involved in controlling motor behavior. Disorganization and inattention are believed to be associated with problems in the prefrontal and frontal lobes, while hyperactivity is associated with abnormalities in the basal ganglia and cerebellum. Deficiencies or imbalances in one or more of the neurotransmitters have also been cited as possible causes. Neurotransmitters serve as messengers from one brain cell to another. There is strong evidence of heredity as a factor in ADHD. Approximately one-third of all individuals with the disorder have a relative with the disorder. Additionally, Environmental factors such as maternal smoking and alcohol abuse, lead poisoning, low birth weight, and prematurity are implicated. These environmental factors are related to the development of mental retardation and learning disabilities as well. A number of risk factors, both biological and environmental, are associated with emotional and behavioral disorders. Disorders that most likely have a biological basis include bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, social phobia, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and Tourette's syndrome. Injury, infection, lead poisoning, poor nutrition, and exposure to interuterine toxins such as alcohol, drugs, and cigarette smoke have been found to be contributors. Maternal depression has also been linked to conduct disorders, anxiety disorders, and alcohol dependency in children. Learning Objective 7-6. Briefly describe the prevention and intervention strategies found to be effective with individuals with EBD or ADHD. Our next objective targets effective prevention and intervention strategies for EBD and ADHD. Two approaches are proving effective for preventing emotional and behavioral disorders, including behaviors associated with ADHD. The first approach found to be effective is the cultivation of resiliency. The term resiliency refers to children and youth who, despite the most adverse circumstances, do not develop emotional and behavioral disorders. Four attributes of resilient children have been identified by researchers. These include establishing and maintaining positive relationships, having excellent problem-solving skills, being autonomous and having a strong identity, and being optimistic and developing clear goals towards high aspirations. A supportive and caring adult has been found to be a key factor in supporting resiliency in children. Thus, teachers, 
coaches, and community members can play a very strong role in developing resiliency in children. Positive behavior support is the second evidence-based approach found effective in the prevention of emotional and behavioral challenges. Despite significant evidence of the ineffectiveness of using punishment to address the behaviors of individuals with EBD and ADHD, punishment is still the most frequently used strategy in schools. Research has found that punishment creates aggression and a desire to escape. It is not surprising, then, that large numbers of students with EBD or ADHD drop out of school. Positive behavior support is based on a few fundamental ideas. First, behaviors, like focusing on academics and other skills, must be taught through an instructional process of modeling, practice, and feedback. Positive recognition of doing the right thing is critical to support the learning of appropriate social and emotional behaviors, such as dealing with anger or waiting to speak. Second, research has shown that Clearly communicating expectations is critical to ensure that children will meet those expectations. Numerous studies have shown that few schools have school-wide rules, and in those that do, few children or adults know the rules. Third, the science of positive behavior support has shown that behaviors tend to be predictable and that predictable behaviors are preventable. Identifying when and where children are likely to misbehave means we can intervene to prevent that misbehavior. As adults, we identify our own behaviors and respond to them accordingly. For example, we may elect to not keep our favorite snack food in the house because the temptation can be too great. We may make lists so that we remember our tasks for the day, or we may get a workout buddy to ensure we go to the gym. Similarly, we can make sure to provide a snack if our second grader gets cranky after school, or a teacher can review the rules of the hallway prior to morning break if children have recently been noisy or disruptive in the halls. These environmental interventions are much more powerful than punishments. Positive Behavior Support believes schools must be places of behavioral support rather than behavioral demand. As adults, we realize that changing behavior is difficult and requires support. Have you ever tried to change your own behavior? Did you want to work out more? Lose weight? Get to bed earlier. American adults spend billions of dollars annually on exercise, weight loss, and smoking cessation plans that ultimately fail to achieve the desired results. Still, Many adults do not see the irony in asking a nine-year-old to stop getting out of his or her seat with the expectation that a single request will fix the behavior. Over 12,000 schools nationwide have adopted school-wide positive behavior support, SWPBS. SWPBS has been effective in both reducing office discipline referrals and suspensions, and increasing academic performance by increasing the amount of time students spend learning rather than being disruptive. For children with EBD and those with ADHD, effective interventions include medications and behavioral education, including instruction in social skills and self-regulation strategies. Time and task management strategies and learning to manage transitions and other challenging situations have all proven helpful. 
predictable and structured environments at school and home can reduce behavior challenges and provide a sense of much-needed safety and security. Learning Objective 7-7. Understand the differences between where students with EBD and those with ADHD receive educational services. Our next learning objective targets your knowledge of where students with EBD or ADHD receive educational services. There are many similarities between these two groups. However, where they are educated is very different. While the majority of students with ADHD receive educational services in a general education setting, nearly 77% of students with EBD receive at least a portion of their education outside a general education classroom. Over 42% of these youngsters are educated in separate classes, separate schools, or residential facilities. More than half of all students with EBD and over 33% of all students with ADHD drop out of school prior to graduation. Effective strategies for meeting the emotional and behavioral needs of these students are urgently needed. Learning Objective 7-8. List and discuss some of the important issues in the field of EBD and ADHD. Our next objective is to address current issues related to supporting individuals with EBD and or ADHD. Individuals with EBD or ADHD face support difficulties because of teacher shortages, poor prognosis, and political issues. There is also a need for early intervention and family-centered approaches. Family-centered approaches are important because they support all members of the family, not just the child with a disability. Raising children with chronic behavior challenges is difficult and stressful for families. Additionally, unlike other disabilities, parents are often blamed for the child's problems. Social isolation stemming from the challenging behaviors is common. Early intervention is a crucial first step in preventing or improving emotional and behavioral issues. Unfortunately, there is a significant lack of resources for these efforts and a lack of professional training in early childhood settings. Expulsion rates are higher in preschool, 9%, than in all school levels. This highlights the importance of well-trained professionals who can help children control impulses and learn the social and behavioral skills necessary for school success. The prognosis for individuals with emotional and behavioral disorders is not positive. These individuals are more likely to be incarcerated or hospitalized for psychiatric reasons and to be unemployed or underemployed. Individuals with ADHD change jobs much more frequently than other employees and are less likely to graduate from college. Additionally, marital concerns are an issue for both groups. Chronic teacher shortages, coupled with high teacher attrition, result in insufficient expertise in schools to support these students. Additionally, public policy, especially zero tolerance and, quote, get tough policies, result in judgment rather than treatment. Fragmented service delivery needs to be replaced with a system of care model that would provide an integrated, community-based set of supports for individual children. This concludes the assignment.